God is good, isn't he? He's so faithful, just endlessly faithful. Man, this is part two of a sermon that I began to preach on last week on the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to uh, get right into it. I told you last week that it happened to me actually even several times preparing this part two, where I go to write the Holy Spirit, and my autocorrect, it says the Hokey Spirit. And it's just the way I'm typing the letters on the, on the screen. Somehow, you know, me typing really fast, um, it comes up hokey. And I think it's very interesting. I told you last week that the word hokey means phony, false, contrived, silly, or corny. And it's not a coincidence. I know it's just an autocorrect, and I know I'm just typing fast. So you could be, you know, the skeptic would say, well, you know, come on. It's not the devil. It's just you typing too quickly. But at the same time, I just see that the enemy, every time it happens, it, 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 I pay attention. Even when I went to go write this part two and said, okay, Holy Spirit, I know I preached on, you know, what I preached on last week, and I'm pretty sure this is what you want me to get into for week two, but you read it. So every time I wrote his name, hokey, 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 comes up. And then I, so it makes me pay attention that the enemy is trying to remove the power of the Holy Spirit and just try to make him silly or unneeded, unnecessary to our gospel, that Jesus is all we need to focus on and the Holy Spirit's irrelevant. Now, it all points to Christ, amen. The whole entire Bible, even the Holy Spirit said, right, the Bible, Jesus said, he's going to speak of me. He's going to tell you things right after, tells, tells the disciples. The whole thing points to Christ, and yet Christ points to the Father, and Christ points to the Holy Spirit, Right? The Holy Spirit's pointing to the Father. Right? They're all pointing to themselves. Amen? Do you notice that when you read your word? All right? So when I say Jesus and the Holy Spirit as two separate entities, this is because we are mature believers who are supposed to understand. We are not left over here in this place of, of lack of understanding. Right? When someone calls out God, God is not offended. Right? He knows who you're talking to when you say God. But there is... Uh, separate entities of the Godhead in that we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And to try to minimize or take away from one of them is actually taking away from God himself. And so it's very important that we realize that the Holy Spirit is very real. He's very much involved in our lives, and he is the one leading and directing us and this is extremely important that I want to pound this thought into our minds again today. We cannot live this life on our own. You cannot live in this world on your own. Who has learned that already? And it is the Holy Spirit. He is the, the part of the triune part of God that is, the, he is the one who is leading you here in the earth, in your natural human state, right? We are with Christ, the Bible says, seated with him at the right hand of the Father. So we have the Father in heaven, we have Christ seated at the right hand, and you and I are seated in him right now, present tense. And the Holy Spirit is in us in the earth. Do you see that? And so the Bible never uses the word trinity, it never uses the word triune, but it's very obvious. I'm not going to spend time arguing with, with weird skeptics or just try to bring confusion. 
right? We're not going to spend time on debating the Trinity, but it's very obvious that when you read the word, how can I have the Father and Christ sitting next to him, and yet he's one person? He's one God, right? It's not that hard to figure out. I'm a Bennett. He's a Bennett. He's a Bennett, right? We're one family, yet we're individuals. Why is that so hard to figure out? Anyway, we're not going to get into all that. Everybody just likes to argue about everything. And here's the truth, though. It is the Holy Spirit who is leading us here on the earth. He's the one leading this soul into eternity. Amen. Christ has already redeemed us. His blood has covered us, but it's the Holy Spirit that's leading us. And we're going to look and see that that's how Jesus lived. Even Jesus, the Son of God, submitted to the Father, was led by the Holy Spirit. We'll probably get more into it next week, but I'm going to get to that as a portion of today. The Holy Spirit inside of us gives us life, gives us purpose, and he gives us direction. Now, here's the thing. Without the Holy Spirit, you may look alive, but you are not. And this is going to be one of the keys of today's sermon. Without the Holy Spirit, you may look alive to the average person who looks at you, and they look and say, okay, there's a living person, but you are actually not alive. You are dead. And we're going to look at how the scriptures, that's not my opinion. This is not me getting into new age and into weirdness. Without Christ's redemption and without the Holy Spirit, we were dead, right? We're going to look at those verses. And with the Holy Spirit, this is the second half of that very significant point. We may not look significant. In fact, you will probably look insignificant. Even Jesus they missed him, didn't they? Even Jesus, the Son of God, filled with the Spirit of God, even doing miraculous miracles, they missed him. And so without the Holy Spirit, you may look alive, and with the Holy Spirit, you may not look significant to the world, but I want you to know that we are directly connected to the God and creator of everything through the Holy Spirit. That's how powerful it is. Your body will decay until you pass on, but your spirit, connected to the Holy Spirit, will live forever. And this is a point that I make a lot, but I want to make it again today. Forever is not after death. I'm going to say that again. Forever is not after death. I want you to really get this, right? We got this as, as mature believers. Say, I was dead now I'm alive. So after salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit forever means from now on. The only thing that's going to happen is that this physical, this flesh, which we're going to talk about today in a moment, that weighs us down. It weighed Adam and Eve down and it's still weighing us down 6,000 years ago. That will go into the ground forever, but you will get a new body for your spirit that is in you right now. It's in you in the earth, just like Jesus was in the earth, and yet he was in the Father. You are in the earth, and you are in Christ. And that spirit will enter into a new body. This body will go, so it will look like death. The world dies. The believer dies. It looks the same. 
But the difference is that your spirit will be placed into a new body forever and ever. Amen and praise God, right? That is the promise. We talk about the inheritance, and we're going to look at that as well here. But the inheritance is not things on the earth, although God does give us many, many blessings, and I'm so thankful for everything he does for us and gives us. But the inheritance is eternity in him. Amen. That's the inheritance. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the down payment of eternity. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, verse 5. These are just a few of the verses we looked at last week. Let's go a little deeper. Romans 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the flesh, and I called this last week the animal nature, which I want to get a little bit deeper into. So there is a sinful nature your, your uh, scriptures might call it the flesh, and I'm going to call it the animal nature, right? That is the nature in you that says, you ready? I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. Anybody ever done that? There's nobody in here like that, right? Nobody lives by the animal nature. Nobody fights with somebody, right? You, someone cuts you off. Everybody's just like, go for it. Anybody else want to cut in front? I'm just going to pull over to the side. You guys obviously are more important than me. You got a lot more, you got places you need to be. I don't have to be anywhere. You can just move on in front of me, and uh, I'm just going to wait here while you guys do what you're going to do. You're going to do it anyway, so I might as well let you. And it's the animal nature that gets enraged at that and starts to fight and war, and people get into road rage. It's the sinful nature. It's the It's this thing inside that, thinks about things of the world, that says here in the NLT about sinful things. And we talked last week, it's not just dark, you know, like deep, dark sins, but just worldliness, fleshness, you know, just thinking about what I need to do, where I need to be, how I'm going to do it, how can I achieve, how can I be, how can I make a name for myself, blah, 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 all those things. And it says, those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. So Romans 8 says that a believer is what? Controlled. Everybody say, I'm controlled. Anybody like being controlled? Any wives like being controlled by your husbands? Or any husbands like being controlled by your wives? I don't hear any amens. I don't see any hands being raised. Nobody likes to be controlled. Everybody wants to say, I'm in control. In this house, I'm the one who wears the pants. But the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit that's in control. In fact, he's in complete and total control. That means it's his way or the highway. And we know what the highway is. Broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction, right? It's the highway that leads to hell. There's only one way. There is no other way. And so the Bible says there's a nature inside you that wants to do what it wants to do, but we are not like that. We are spirit people. Everybody say, I'm a spirit person, and I'm led by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says we do what pleases him. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind, your animal nature, if you let it lead, right, where does it go? First, it starts out with anger. Right? Then it becomes enraged, and then before you know it, somebody's murdering somebody. That's how it happens. It may happen really fast in an act of, you know, an act of rage, or it might be planned out. The hatred grows and grows and grows until someone plans a dark murder. 
But that's what it says. It says if you let this nature control you, it will lead you to death. And what's significant that we should notice is you are being led whether you want to be led or not. You're either letting Satan lead you or the Holy Spirit. There is no in-between. They argued with Jesus, and they were like, our father, our father. Jesus says, not your father. My father's not your father. Your father's the devil. And those were the leading religious of the day. And so we must get that you are being led. And if you are not letting the Holy Spirit lead you through the word, through good counsel, through accountability from other believers, you are being led, but you're being influenced by your culture, right? Every single day, your TV is speaking to you, the radio is speaking to you, movies are telling you what love is, right? Everybody's telling you this is what you should think, this is how you should feel. And if you buck against that system, oh my gosh, if you want to think or be anything but what the system says is right and wrong, you are, you're just a crazy person. You're a bigot, etc., and all the other words they attach to us. But the Bible says, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Anybody here want life and peace? Anybody just searching for a little peace? I just want peace. Well, then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. And we're going to look at this in Adam. We're going to turn to Genesis in just a moment. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. We must come to terms as well that your nature inside you, you cannot mind over matter it. Right? This is not you getting yourself under control. You will never be able to do it. You can never will yourself into doing what's right, ever. Because if you try to will yourself, you have to gauge what is right first. Right? How do you decide what is right to will yourself to do it? You have decided what is right, and now you're going to give yourself the strength to do it. We must let the Word define what is right and what is wrong. And the Holy Spirit, many times, will take what we call the letter of the law, the legal system of the law, and He will enhance it. Who has had Him do this to you? He will make it harder than the letter of the law, to your flesh, that is, but not if you will just submit and let the Spirit do it. Amen. You guys get what I mean. In other words, you know, some people, the Bible says, do not be drunk. So then some people say, okay, I just can't get drunk. That's what the Bible says. Another person, the Holy Spirit, says, I don't want you to drink at all. And everybody else gets alongside them and says, that's not what the Word says. You don't need to worry about that. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Now, if they try to do it in their flesh... It's going to be really hard because you even have other believers that are telling them that's not what the Word says. But the Holy Spirit is saying, you're a Nazarite. You're somebody who's separated from it, and I don't want you to do it. And we have to choose to listen to the Spirit. Now, it's only hard because of our flesh. It's not hard if we just listen to the Spirit. If he's telling you to do it, he will give you the strength to do it. Now, that's just one example. I don't want to put that weight on anyone. The Bible says don't be drunk. 
So as a preacher, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. But if the Holy Spirit tells you something deeper than even the surface of the word, you have to listen to him. And you're just going to end up fighting, right? The Bible can say, you know, it doesn't really give a lot of rules and regulations for a man and a woman before they're married. But maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, like, listen, I don't even want you over at their house. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to tell you beforehand. But you're going to have to listen to the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is the thing. The Bible says your nature, it will, it's hostile, and it fights against God's laws. The Holy Spirit, he's not only in control. We can't just say he wants to be in control. That's not proper. He's either in control or he's not. It's not like the Holy Spirit's like, man, I'm just trying to get control of your life. You just like, we'll get that. The Bible says, if I'm not letting him control, if we just read the word now for what it says, I'm either letting him control me or I am being controlled by a nature that says it leads to death. Why would I fight against God with a nature that he's already told me plainly where it ends up? It says that is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But verse 9, here's everybody say, I've got hope, because we are verse 9, right? We're not those who are controlled by our sinful nature. We are those who are controlled, right, by the Holy Spirit. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature, your animal nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember, and this is the thing that we must get, And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. The word is so clear, isn't it? People just try to make it, you know, something other than it is, and all they're doing is bringing confusion. They're just trying to bring all these theologies and ideas in, and it sounds heady, it sounds really smart, sounds really wise. I just heard this rabbi on YouTube, he's got two million views, And he's telling us about how Adam and Eve are in the garden and how God really wanted them to eat the tree of knowledge, good and evil. It's got two million views. And I was like, I got to read the comments now. And everybody's like, wow, this is so good. You know, this is what I've always thought. Must have been more to that story. Because why? What happens? How does that happen? See, if you take Christ out, you remove the Holy Spirit, all you've got now is a book of laws You've just got regulations, and then you just make up anything you want in between. You just make it up as you go along. But the Bible says that those who have Christ have the Holy Spirit. And so if I say I'm a Christian, but I'm still doing what I want to do, there are some serious things that we must go back to the cross and discuss with God about. If we read it according to the word, it says, if I have Christ, I have the Spirit, and the Spirit is controlling me. Plain and simple. Do you see how simple the scriptures are? We just want to make it complicated, but it's not complicated, is it? It's only complicated, you ready? I've said this before, because we don't want to listen. And I say we as general, as a humanity, I'm not saying anybody in here, but we don't want to do what it says, so then we just like, well, it doesn't apply to me. It applies to everyone else, 
but God gave me grace in that area. If you're aware that he's given you grace, then you're already past grace. Grace is when you didn't realize you had it yet, right, Dan? <laughs> Once I'm aware of it, you're in a dangerous place, because now grace is, has covered me in my ignorance. I'm not ignorant anymore, which means now, yes, you're in grace, but you are running thin. I don't know where that ends. I, I mean, I pray it ends when at death, but... I think you get in dangerous places once we know what God wants us to do, and then we just do what we want anyway, especially if we have the tag of still being a Christian. That just creates a mess not only for your own life, but everybody else watching you, doesn't it? Everybody looking is going, that's a Christian? I don't know. I'm confused. And then it, really, Jesus said, listen, you lead one of my little ones away, lead them astray, you better just, you know, by the time I deal with you, you're better off taking a millstone, put it around yourself, and go jump. Go jump in the water. Because when I get to you, it's not going to be good. So as believers who have Christ, we not only have the Holy Spirit, but he's in control. It's good for our own health, but it's also a light to the world. And the Bible says, verse 26 of chapter 8, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, and we looked at how Matthew 26, verse 41, Peter's falling asleep. Jesus is telling him to pray. Peter doesn't quite recognize what's about to happen, though. Jesus is about to go to the cross, right? And he's, Jesus is telling him the hours now, and Peter is falling asleep, and you kind of feel bad for him, too, because he was probably really tired. It was like the middle of the night, right? But here comes Jesus. I was falling, Dawn's about to give birth. I'm falling asleep, you know. The man's always falling asleep. You try to stay awake. It's tiring for the man. <laughs> but he said, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And here's the whole thing. We have a flesh that wants to do what it wants to do, and it's weak. But we have within us the Holy Spirit attached to our spirit that is willing and jesus showed us over and over and over again that if you live by the spirit the weakness of the flesh cannot and will not hold you back for instance they said jesus you must be starving by now you haven't eaten and he said i have a food that you don't know of jesus they said you know we're afraid there's wind, the waves, the storm. Jesus just calms them. Another wind and waves situation. You know, they're out there fighting the wind, and here comes Jesus just walking upon them. Yes, the body is weak. The flesh is weak. This world is corrupt. It's dark. It's evil. But the Holy Spirit is no match. The enemy's no match for the Holy Spirit. He can bypass this world and your flesh. And so times that we're like, I'm struggling, it's just heavy on me, it's weighty on me, I don't know what to do, I can't think clearly, we just need to let the Holy Spirit have control. I began to say that last week. If you're still trying, we haven't submitted. We must let him have control. And it says in verse 29, it comes to this conclusion in Romans 8, it says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. 
And you, your translation, New King James, some of the more traditional translations says, to be conformed, everybody say, to the image of his son. So the Bible said God chose us to be conformed to the image of Christ, and it says so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What does it mean? to be conformed to his image or become like him. This is very interesting because he just spent nearly 30 verses talking about the flesh and the spirit, and suddenly he says, you were meant to be conformed to the image of his son. There's no accident, there's no coincidences in the, in the Bible, are there? What we're going to see right now in these next minutes as we get to the final chapter here of this, of this sermon is that Jesus showed us not only the way and laid the example and the path, but also gave us the power to live in this earth in the way that God originally designed for Adam and Eve. Who believes that there was a curse that came on the earth? Jesus came to break it. And we're still living within the curse, so sometimes it's confusing because I'm like, I can still see the curse all around me. But you don't have to let that curse influence you. Do you know that? We've talked about this before. It's like getting sucked into a tornado. You don't need to let the world's troubles suck you in. And they certainly try, don't they? They come and they try so hard to pull you into their issues. But who has found when you just give yourself to the Lord? And you're like, I'm not going to let this, I'm just not going to get into this. I'm not going to get into the flesh. I'm not going to get an attitude. I'm not going to get worldly and just try to figure it all out. Who has found you have a lot more peace, the very thing he promised us, and life within you? But who has found you get pulled into the world's issues and into their troubles and into their stuff? And you just, before you know it, man, you're as dark as them. Sometimes it feels worse. We call that getting slimed. In my house, Dawn and I, we have a name for that. It's getting slimed. That means somebody else calls you and throws up on you. Now, I get it. Someone needs to, you know, they're like, I'm going through an issue, and they want to call, but it really is just, it's just Satan. What you need to let them do is, a mature believer shouldn't be throwing up on another believer. What I mean is that it doesn't sound very Christ-like. It's, it's, it's hatred. It's bitterness, it's anger, you know, God failed me, God said he would do this, this person, that, 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 ah. And it becomes this, like, very dark, heavy thing. But as believers, we need to learn to just not let it get on you and pull you in. We need to stay Christ-like. And so what does it mean to be conformed to his image? I thought this was funny because of my image, does it mean we all have to grow beards? Because that looks like Jesus. Do we all have to wear robes and sandals? What was Jesus' image? Was it the way he looked? It was obviously something more than what he looked like. And what does it mean to be conformed to it? We could say his image was pure. And we could say he was obedient. We could say that he was righteous. We could say that he was forgiving. And we could say that he was loving. And yes, all these attributes, they describe Jesus, and they should describe us who are like him. 
and yet there's something more here in this verse for him to suddenly be talking about flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. Flesh is death. Spirit is life. Flesh leads to, you know, to destruction. The spirit's controlling. The flesh just wants to do its own thing. Suddenly, be conformed to the image of Christ. And what is the reason? Because the image of Christ is this. Jesus was born with no earthly father. He was born from clay in the, in, in the sense that he came through the shell of clay. He came through a human body. He came through Mary, just like Adam. We're going to look at this in Genesis in a moment. But the Bible says at 30 years old, John baptized him. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And through this image of, a, of God living inside a man, right? God came into a human body and lived in the earth indwelt by the bible says clearly even jesus john saw the holy spirit descending like a dove on him the holy spirit with him he obeyed the father and brought the father glory in the earth that's the image of christ what is the image the image is and jesus did it adam failed G adam couldn't do it jesus did it he lived in a human body, completely and totally submitted and controlled by the Spirit. And what did it bring? It brought life for all humanity, for all eternity, of, uh, in eternity who would like to receive it. Just by doing what God had destined from the beginning of time to be done, which is, he said, I want companionship, I want to have relationship, and he puts Adam and Eve in perfection, puts them in the garden, gives them life, gives them every single thing they need, and you find that there's these mirrors, right? There's these mirrors to what he did. The Bible says in Christ, he has given us everything we need. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. They were sustained. They had eternity. They even had you know, we don't quite understand it. They were naked, but they weren't like, oh, you're naked. They didn't even understand that. They were in some sort of a higher living where they didn't even look at the world we do. And Christ brought restoration to what was meant to be through him. And let's look before I keep going here. I'm getting preaching now. Genesis 1, verse 24 says, God said, Let's make all the animals, and he made them, and he says, and, and, and all different types, in verse 25, all different types, and he said he saw it was good, but then in verse 26, he says, God said, let us make man, or the Hebrew is just the word Adam, just means man, let us make human beings in our image, or in our likeness. The Bible says, he said, let us make Adam in our image or in our likeness. And suddenly, now we fast forward, we're over here in the New Testament in Romans 8. We're talking about the flesh and the spirit. And it says, be conformed to the image of his son, who will be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. What was happening here in Romans 8? What is Jesus doing? 
Jesus is bringing restoration to what God was doing. All the way back here in the book of Genesis, he says, let us make them in our image and they will reign over the earth. They weren't reigning over people because there were no evil people. So what they reign over? They'll reign over the animals. They'll reign over the birds. They'll reign over the livestock. So God created them, verse 27, human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Now let's get a little bit deeper for these next, just these final minutes. Genesis 2, verse 7, what is the image of God? Why were you created? What are you here for? It is not just so that you can find happiness and do fun things and like build stuff and make a name for yourself. And God's not offended by those things if he's the center of them. But that's not why you're here. You were made from, you were a replica, you were a mirror of, the, of God in heaven on the earth. God took himself, and you're ready for this, it says in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. So he brought the clay up. And he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became, you may know it as a living soul or a living person. The Bible says he breathed into clay, and they came to life. Now let's break this down a little. This is so powerful. This means so much. We are not merely a clay statue that needed to breathe. God made the animals living and breathing. We don't see any special language about the animals. The animals, they function in the same ways that we do and the same way the world does. And that is that within their DNA code, right? Who has a pet? Who has a pet that knows they're supposed to kill little birds and little rabbits, right? <laughs> Mice. Like, who taught this pet this thing? They were raised as a little baby, Right, or tiny little, like we have a cat that was like, literally, I have a picture of it in my sweatshirt pocket. And she just killed a mouse the other day. And she knew to kill it, and then I had to help, because Dawn was freaking out. And the cat stood next to me, watching me like she was hunting with me for that part. And the second it was done, she ran in there and grabbed it as, you know, a prize and started running away. And then she screamed again, you can't let her keep it. <laughs> I was going to let her have it. She went through all the effort of getting it. What taught her that? What taught my cat that she needs to kill mice? There's something in their DNA code that they need to eat, they need to drink, they need to procreate, they need to fight to defend themselves. Something inside, the, inside them says, I need to survive and I need to produce more of me. And that same thing is within the nature of a human being in the world without Christ, right? We have a DNA code without him. But what we don't realize is, is that zombies are real. You're just a living dead person. All you're doing is just going through the motions, all you're doing is just creating another one, right? The cats, right? The wild city cats, right? They end up having to go and like, you know, round them up, right? And sterilize them because they don't know what else to do except just to keep making more wild cats. And they just keep growing. And you see the world populations just growing and growing and growing without God. Just this godless darkness. 
and building bigger and bigger and bigger skyscrapers, right? Getting $1.9 billion lottos. I mean, just getting bigger and better and faster and smarter. And for what? It's nothing. It means nothing. It's all just sandcastles in the end. Everything that we see and everything we know is all going to decompose down to nothing. So when God breathed life, he didn't just say, hey, Adam and Eve, hey, here on the earth, go have fun. Now, was it probably fun? I bet. It was probably fun. It'd be fun not to have bruises and cuts and get tired. It'd be fun to be able to run endlessly and never get tired. It was probably pretty fun. But that's not what the purpose was. Do we get this? Adam and Eve were on the earth to reflect the glory of God into the earth. They were meant to be a reflection. When it says he was, when they were made in his image, what is your image? When I look in a mirror, I see my image, right? It's a reflection of me. When God made Adam and Eve, he reflected himself. Now, how did he do that? How could God make you a reflection of him? Well, it's very easy. He just put himself into you. Now, this is the whole thing. This is really what Christ did. Christ is not just a ticket to heaven. He's not something we drive through a McDonald's Happy Meal, right, and just go up to the drive-thru, we pray a little prayer, I want to get saved, they give you a Happy Meal, and okay, I'll see you in eternity. Let me go live my life now, and I'll be, uh, don't worry, I won't lose my golden ticket to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It was so much more that God did in Christ. He restored back the image that he originally designed, which is that here is my reflection on the earth, but don't think you can do it yourself because you're just a living dead person. The only way this is going to work, Adam is there in heaven, and he's like, I know, I really messed up, God. God's like, don't worry. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send Christ. Christ is like, I'm willing. The Holy Spirit's like, I'm willing. And they have this plan to come back into the earth. Christ comes. He dies. He proves that someone can actually live in flesh and not sin. And by doing it, it breaks this curse that Satan put on the earth by our sin. And Christ said, very important, we don't have time to go break it all down, but you can read it yourself. From chapters in, in John, from 14 through 16, Jesus is going on and on about, don't worry, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving, leaving you. I'm leaving the earth in the flesh, but I'm going to send my advocate. Everybody say the advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he's with you. You're aware of him. The Bible says he's with you, but soon he'll be in you. The Bible says that God breathed life. Now, the animals had life, but the Bible doesn't say that he breathed into them. He breathed his own spirit into you and I. And the Bible says that then sin came and we're living in sin. So he breathed life again through Christ into us. In fact, do you know that Jesus actually preludes the Holy Spirit in the book of John, chapter 20? I always have, I always think, man, I don't know if I have enough today, and I always go way, way deep and way long, so I'm sorry for that right now. <laughs> it's so funny looking at my notes here, so I got to breeze through. We're not going to look at any of these things. But John, chapter 20, 
Verse 19, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors, and suddenly Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you. He said, as he spoke, and he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. Well, that's interesting because who is the spirit? Who is he? He's a spirit of peace, right? What did we read? We just read it over in Romans, right? Flesh leads to death. The spirit leads to life and peace. Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, this is key, verse 21, so I am sending you. What was the picture? Jesus, born into human body, into clay, without a human father, so he didn't have the curse, the father, right, the curse of the father in him. He was God and in all of its form. This doesn't work in the natural, doesn't work in science, and it doesn't work in math. But Jesus was 100% God in a 100% human body. I know that math doesn't make, we can't get 200% equals one. But you're going to have to understand it like this, right? A husband and wife are joined together. They are two, and yet they become one. So Jesus is God in a body, and then he went into the world and changed the world forever. And he said, I'm sending you the same exact way. You were a body that was dead. In fact, he said, you must be born again. What does that mean? He's like, Nicodemus, I don't understand this. We gotta, how am I going to do this? This is kind of, this is just strange to think about. And he's saying, you have to die, and I'll bring you back to life. And he says, so I can send you into the earth just like I was sent into the earth. In verse 22, there's my 22. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts 2, how does the Holy Spirit come? They described it as a wind. So we have Genesis. The Bible says the Spirit was hovering above the waters. And then God takes the clay, brings it up. It looks like a man. I believe Adam had his heart. I believe he had his lungs. I believe he was a flesh creature just like the animals in every way I don't think when he breathed into him all of a sudden there was a heart how strange is it that we can actually somebody dies and thank God for modern medicine modern technology but they donate their heart it's literally an ice cube they put it on ice and they drive it for thousands of miles or fly it for thousands of miles to somebody else they cut open their chest they open it up and they take this cold lifeless heart put it inside their body, connect it all together, zap it to life, and all of a sudden the person's alive again. You realize life is not a beating heart. It's not the blood, just the, the fleshly blood in your body. But that there is something within, within you, something greater than this shell. Do you realize, just thinking about the... the naturalness of this, of this human body, and yet that's a person there all along. And so Jesus restored back from this curse and breathed the Holy Spirit into us again. Amen. 
I believe this is, again, I said this last week, but listen to it again. This is one of those sermons, and I think it'll be like that again. You start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's not easy to dissect, and it's not easy to preach on. Something you need to listen to again, it's a spiritual thing. We are not flesh, we're spirit, right? So your mind gets so much, but your spirit, man, is getting more than you realize already. But listen to it again, and it will activate what you've already heard today. So I just, with that, I want to bless you. Thank you, Lord God, for this sermon. And I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord. We were made in your image. We were made to reflect and glorify you. And the only way we can do that is to let you do it through us. We are controlled by you, so naturally we will reflect you. I thank you, Lord, that our words, your word says, you said cursing and blessings cannot come out of the same mouth. I pray that our mouth would be filled with blessing and not cursing. I pray that we would be filled with peace and not, Lord God, hostility. I pray, Lord God, that our mind would be set on you and not just the things of this world. I pray, Lord, that we would be controlled, led by the Spirit and not by our nature. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going to find life and peace in doing this. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.